0: The wisdom of experts can change your life. As a coach here at the University of Texas, you've attained this elite status from growing and evolving over the course of your coaching career.
1: In our Learning from Experts podcast, exclusively for the head coaches here at the University of Texas, we're going to accelerate that process. You'll hear from world-class coaches, sports psychologists, and successful people. And occasionally it's the wisdom that impacts other areas of your life, like your health or your marriage.
0: But here's something really important to appreciate. Timing. Hearing something at exactly the right time makes all the difference.
1: Sometimes it's repetition. Hearing a concept multiple times, until it resonates with you. So
0: buckle up. This week's learning from the experts is about to begin.
1: Hey coaches, John Mitchell here. So this week we're hearing from our very own John Fields, head coach of the men's golf team here at the University of Texas. John is coming up on his 26th year here on the 40 Acres. And over his career, he's accomplished it all. He's won two national championships and countless Big 12 titles, along with launching many, many players on the PGA Tour. And over the last year or so, I saw something interesting happening with John. The sports writers in the awesome American Statesman started referring to John as legendary. And I get him about this, but it really is true. He is a legend with tons of wisdom that we're getting here in this interview. Listen for when he talks about how important posture is regarding a player's mental outlook his posture. This applies to all athletes. Also pay attention to what John says is his standard in life, always doing exactly what he says he's going to do. And then finally, listen for one of his little known achievements that is now truly changing the world of college golf. It was John's brainchild for Texas to host the NCAA golf championship every year. That twinkle of an idea in John's head three years ago is now coming to fruition in 2024. And here's the essence of what we learned this week. It's the power of visualization. John is a big fan of this and practices it all the time. Before you can create anything in life, hey, it's gotta first get created in your mind. Wouldn't you agree with that? How can you apply that to your life more than you already do? Well, let's get rolling and listen to the legendary John Fields. And remember, as a coach here at the University of Texas, boy, you're living the dream. John, thank you for joining us today on learning from experts. You doing well?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Yes, sir. Thank you. As
1: always, right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh you know it's a good time to be a longhorn um our football team is uh in the final four what's your observation about uh our football team and and this journey that they've they've been on over the last three years
0: well first of all i'm in my 27th year here and i've I tell people that I I got to live through Delos's good old days. So that's DeLoss Dodds, our former athletic director, who was considered among the best, or maybe even the best athletic director in the nation. Um, 2000 to 2009, 10 ish, mm-hmm. was really losses, good old days, and I got to live through those with Eddie Reese and others, and uh, I've been telling people that it, it looks like we're going to be living in CDC's good old days right now. And and uh, some consider him to be the best athletic director in America. And the proof's in the pudding. I mean, two out of the last three years, we've won the Director's Cup. That never happened before. Um, I know he got a little bit of burn because the first one was done during COVID and people thought that maybe that was the reason why. And then we came right back and – and won it. And then we finished second the, the following year. So two out of three years winning the director's cup um, and, and maybe in the lead right now with our wonderful volleyball team, soccer yeah. won the, the uh, big 12 championship uh, CDC kind of gave us a directive. He wanted to run the table and I call it vision 24 because <laughs> this is the 23, 24 season and things are happening. The synergy is incredible. And for football, um, it's it's remarkable to allow people to see what it's really like to be involved with the Longhorns when our football team is really good, and when our coach is active with the community and active with the uh, student athletes across the board—not just his team, but everybody—and and sharing his success with all of us is. Been a lot of fun, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens in the next few weeks.
1: Right, right. Well, you know, we have we've uh, lived this with with Sark. You know, I remember what three years ago, this is his third year. We go through that six game losing streak, and you know, I remember going to lunch with you and we, us talking about it. But but just watching this this progress of taking over a team in in COVID and uh, you know the first year was sort of a nightmare and the the second year was sort of getting people to buy into the culture now the third year um you know we're we're right there we're we're recording this in december and but it will air in january but it is darn sure exciting to see this and i'm so happy for for sar because i know you are too and it really takes 3 or 4 years to put in a program right
0: yeah and i think all of our coaches uh are having to deal with that today because with our new world that includes nil and the portal you look at our men's basketball team and it's it's not completely new but there's a lot of pieces uh to the puzzle that are that are new and i think he's got some great athletes and so Rodney's dealing with that right now, but it takes time to put a team together. It takes time and to, to to build that culture. What you're talking about, however, you arrive at winning, that is that winning culture. And in in all of our cases, all the coaches combined, uh, Jared has kind of been leading the way because um i i think last year when they won the national championship there might have been six or seven um transfers on his team that won which meant that they integrated properly and accepted quickly um how they were going to do things i do think there is a built-in part of that success which is when a student athlete makes the decision to come to texas even if they only have one year, they're coming for a reason. They're coming to win. They're, they're, they're doing what John Fields and Pearl Fields did years ago when we left New Mexico and uh, arrived in Austin, Texas. We came for a reason because we felt like we had a chance to win here. And ultimately, that was the truth. And And it happened. But But you can roll back the layers and try to figure out, well, why did we really make that decision? I think we came here to win. So it's easy to accept the culture. There are different dynamics with our coaches. I was listening again to to Vic's interview with you, and uh, it's enlightening. I feel like I've gone to church after I listened to Coach Vic, but uh, I, he's he's just so awesome. And and I'm a believer. Believe me, but I I I wish I had the ability that he had to uh, to relate to his team and just anybody. I, if he walks in a room and starts talking, he's gonna command the room and, and that that's been fun to watch.
1: Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well, you know, one of the things that, that I found fascinating about your story is uh, how Tony Robbins and and embracing personal growth was a big part of of your life early in your life. Would you would you share that with the coaches?
0: Well, it, it was a necessity, and I didn't even know it. I it was it was kind of a, it was one of those moments in a coach's life where you're kind of at a crossroads, and you don't really know if you're doing the right things, if you're in the right place, if you're in the right fit. Um, and I was having a lot of sleepless nights. So I, this was way back when when I was in Albuquerque and I was a young coach, and I just turned the TV on, and there was an inf infomercial with Tony Robbins and basically it was awaken the giant within and uh, take action. And so I got his first set of tapes and I listened to those and it really started me on my journey to personal success and maybe personal growth and even spiritual growth for that matter, because um, Tony embraces that and, and then branching out and listening to others and listening to your, Uh, interviews and and all the uh, different great people that are out there. Uh, My goodness, there's so much good information. And then listening to coaches, uh, when I have a moment, I love listening to interviews like with Nick Saban and um, John Wooden, the great basketball coach at UCLA, because there's so much wisdom there. And everybody has their frailties. Nobody's perfect. There's nobody that that has all the answers. Uh, But the bottom line is if you're going to grow, you definitely need to read. And I've, I've read books like Liz Gray, Grayborn's, uh, excuse me, your life is waiting for you, which is basically about visioning success, which again, the, the, the book that you recommended, uh, think and grow rich, you know, which is the best selling book of all time, uh, for personal growth, but they, they center around the same issues. And that is, to vision what you want and then to live that life because you'll get those messages, how to get there if you're really living to try to uh, accomplish your dreams.
1: Right. Right. Well, you know, I guess it, it, it intrigues me that you were so intentional back when you were a young coach in New Mexico and, and you hear Tony Robbins and that, like you, you say, awakens you, but you had the clear intention that you're going to grow and, and bring in the wisdom of of other people into your head. Because and I find that interesting because most people intellectually will agree that that's a good idea, but they don't do it. And, you know, there's something like that. I don't know if you've heard this statistic that like, 35% of people that graduate from college never read another book after they graduate. I mean, it's phenomenal. And, and so, and I see because I had lived this uh, in my thirties and forties, I was too busy for, for personal growth. What a friggin' mistake that was.
0: <laughs> but yeah.
1: you know, I, I woke up and saw, well, that, maybe that's, why I wasn't more successful than I thought I should be, and so you know I created a system for personal growth in um, in my fifties, and and I have a feeling you sort of have a system as well uh, for personal growth. Is that true?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was I was desperate, John. That, that's why I did what I did. I was I was not happy. Uh, and as a result my family wasn't happy Um, there was just so many different issues associated with that I just flat wasn't happy and I, I learned with Tony Robbins that what drives us there's two things that drive us there's pain and there's pleasure and we're looking for pleasure but we live with a lot of pain and nobody likes to be in pain everybody likes to have pleasure and so I, I felt like I was just desperate. I had to have something. So I got up in the morning and listened to those. You know, they were those old cassettes and I had my little walkman and I walked the dog and go walk five to seven miles and, and listen to these tapes. And it really changed my life. It changed the way that I viewed, uh, success and it, and it helped me grow up really, mm. in the end. And I know that that's what you're doing with your class. You're trying to help these kids grow up. We are too. That's that's part of our charge uh, with the kids that we recruit and that compete for our different teams. Uh, this is about education. I just didn't grow up until I was in my late 30s or 40s and maybe even my 50s. Um, <laughs> and, and and maybe I'm not even grown up just now, but, but the bottom line is, is that, I do feel like making that decision, taking action and deciding that I was going to uh, be in charge of my life gave me that opportunity. I still have to work on it every day, just like everybody. We can fall back into bad habits, um, do do things that, that are counterproductive to our success. The one constant in my life though, for the last 43 years is my beautiful wife, Pearl. And, really for 46 years because 3 years prior to that our freshman sophomore and junior year in school she was with me but she's the coach's coach she's the one that really has has uh, been my motivator my coach and and been real and honest with me when i get out of line when i get depressed when i'm not doing the things that i need to do and that goes for family team business, everything. And she can sense it because she's with me all the time. Right. And and she's kind of my, she's kind of my secret weapon.
1: I can, I can see that well, one on personal growth. What do you, what do you do today? Do you make yourself read a book a month or what, what, how, what does that look like for you with your well,
0: growth? CD, CDC has been uh, handing out those books like candy. Um, so I've been reading some of those, and and I I like history, so I read some of those. I think that um, we, we're we're destined to repeat history if if we don't understand it, and um, and that goes for just the the smallest of things. So I like history. I, I read uh, different books uh, about history, and then I also. Um, I really, really enjoy a lot of the podcasts that are coming out these days. Um, there's just one thing after another, and some of it has to do with golf. Uh, some of it has to do with just sports in general. And, and I really enjoy what you're doing with our, with our coaches because, um, it's, it's like Vic said to be surrounded by 20 plus other coaches that are super successful and then, having somebody who's got this magnificent vision vision and that would be CDC. It really does seem like everybody's pulling in the same direction right now.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, you know, on our last interview, one of the things you said that just uh, caught my attention is you're not a procrastinator. Uh, You're an action taker. Would you share your philosophy about that with the coaches?
0: Well, if, if there's something that needs to be done, I, I like to do it right away. I do not like to. So for instance, I have kind of a routine in the morning. I'll, I'll get up at kind of four, four thirty, and and uh, I do send out a note to our donors and alumni. And uh, there's about 400 people on that, that list these days. So I do that. And, and you're on that list, as you know, so, I I do that from time to time, like when we're at a golf tournament, when we're getting ready to compete, after the golf tournament, or maybe when somebody's doing something well on the PGA tour. Somebody like a Scotty Scheffler who just won in the Bahamas in the the Hero World Challenge. I'll call that to everybody's attention. Part of the reason I do that is because Pearl uh when we were under a lot of pressure in, uh, the mid 2000s, nine, she said, you really gotta, you gotta educate people. What, what's happening with this golf team, what's happening with you. So I started doing that and that's been very beneficial to us going forward. The other thing that I do, um, I, I check all my emails. There's a lot of things that we have to do as coaches today that we didn't have to do years ago. There's so many things. Um, whether it has to do with the business office or whether it has to do with compliance. Those are things that we just have to do. I don't particularly enjoy them all the time, but if I just take care of it in the morning, then that gives me a fresh start. So when, when something comes up that needs to be done, I do that, and I do it as fast as I possibly can. I do not like it. It, it helps me sleep better, and it gets me up in the morning.
1: Right. Right. I can see that. And, you know, let let me call to the attention uh, to the coaches. You're it's, it's once a week, basically uh, an email to, uh, 400 followers of Texas golf. Right. Right. And it is excellent. It's, you know, it's not too long, but it's very informative. And, uh, I think it's cool. I think every coach on campus should do it. Um, and I know you're proud of it because it comes off as being well done.
0: Well, who knew that that it would benefit us at some point in time? Just for instance, with NIL. Um, yeah. There's a lot of those people that have, have gone into Texas One and, and wanted to help our program just simply because they follow it. And it, I didn't even ask them to do it, but they're doing it. And so there's been some side benefits to it again, it was just to educate people, to give them a vision of what we're doing, why we do what we do, and what we're thinking about doing. And we're always trying to grow, so we're always trying to make our golf course, our practice facilities a little bit better on an annual basis. We're always trying to do that, and I call them angels. They're people that have uh, followed our success and and then helped us with our success. So a lot of times that's financial, and, and then it's a, there's a compound effect. As you know, that's another great book, The Compound yeah, Effect by yeah. Devin Hardy, um, which I've read. And and if you do just something a little bit every day, you're going to have success. And that makes me think of Mike Holder um, at Oklahoma State. He told me that about recruiting a long time ago. He said, Johnny, recruiting's like shaving, if you do if you do something just a little bit every day, or if you don't do something a little bit every day, it's gonna to start to show. So meaning you better take care of what's most important. And and in our business, recruiting is the singularly most important thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. You know, one thing you talked about last time that was fascinating was uh about posture, how how posture um you know builds your identity and, and mental outlook. And I found that so fascinating when, when I really thought about it. Uh, and and of course this applies to, for all the coaches, but would you talk about posture and how, how it plays into your team? I, I sure will.
0: Years ago, again, I was trying to change the, the mindset of my golf team at New Mexico. And I I just felt like we were kind of weak mentally. uh, That's the only way I could explain it, because we would play well from time to time, but we'd never really close it off or or never do the things that I thought we could do. My son got involved in in, um, AKA Karate. So he got involved. Partially he got involved because of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. And then I, I met this guy named Bill Packer, who was a uh, a world champion in in kickboxing and karate, uh, like a triple black black belt or quadruple whatever it is, mm-hmm. and and I, I asked him some questions. He said, "Why don't you let me train your team just a little bit?" And so I said, "You know what? That'd be great." So we went down to his studio, and um, he was up on the on his stage, kind of above us just a little bit. The stage probably about. 18 inches up maybe that maybe just a little less than that he was standing above us and he and the team was right in front of him and there was probably 10 steps to the back of the room so he said guys I want you to turn around and walk to the back of the room and then I want you to walk towards me and he basically that that when they did that they they came right up in front of him And he goes, you guys look pitiful. You absolutely look pitiful. Your chins are down. You're hunched over. You look like you're beat. And he said, let me tell you how to stand. Let me show you how to walk. And so he said, in the United States military, the first thing they do to teach you is they teach you how to stand at attention. So he got them to stand at attention with their chin up and their chest out and their feet together and their arms at their sides, and he said, "This is the most powerful position you can be in, and you feel strong when you're in this position." And he said, "Now just, just go ahead and hunch over and lower your chin and and uh, kind of hunch over and see how you feel." And so they remarkably, just in in you know thirty seconds, he was able to show them what what a difference posture made in their life and how they walked and and it got more into how do you talk and and then it got more into how do you vision but really the posture was the key because he wanted to put them in the most powerful position and i talked to my players about that because i tell them when you're carrying your bag and you're walking down the fairway and i'm two fairways across and i'm watching you I don't want to know if you're playing good or bad. I don't want to know if you're playing well or bad. I want to know that you have a particular mindset that the next shot is the most important shot. So your chin is up, your chest is out. Again, I love watching our coaches. I love watching CDC. CDC dresses the part every day. I mean, mm-hmm. there there's nobody that can outdress CDC. <laughs> um, he is parsley. a clothes horse. <laughs> he, he, he is that and, and, and other accoutrements that he wears. But uh, there's a reason for that. And, and you learn that in the United States military. And a, a quick story about Lee Trevino. Um, Lee Trevino grew up in Dallas, Texas, in a, in a house with no floors and and looked out over a, a cemetery. So he kind of grew up very poor and got involved in golf. Uh, because he, his, his house also adjoined a driving range. And so he started picking up balls and then he started swinging a golf club and he went over to the driving range and, and learned how to play or hit golf balls. But then he joined the United States military, joined the Marines. And in that world, your posture is important and the way you dress is important. So your uniform has to be pressed. It, it has to be perfect. The lines on your shoulders have to be perfect. The lines on your slacks have to be perfect. Your shoes have to be shined just a certain way. And your bed has to be made a certain way. And so he became super disciplined out of an environment where really he was extremely poor and none of that would have made any sense to him. And he took that mentality out onto the PGA tour and was able to win and beat the best players in the world, like a Jack Nicklaus who grew up eh, upper middle class. Maybe his dad was a pharmacist, but why would, why would a guy like Lee Trevino ever be able to beat him? And I, I give the United States military, the Marines, a huge, uh, positive in that regard because they changed his life and, uh, and we're in the business of changing lives. So I, I think it's important And, and CDC calls that to our attention all the time.
1: Right, right. Well, you know, I, I think this is such a pearl for, for the coaches to hear this topic of, of posture because, as, as you know, I mean, it's so true in, in every sport, particularly in, in golf. It's all mental, and by influencing, intentionally influencing your posture, you can influence the mental side of the game, whereas if you just try and go straight to – influencing your your mindset sometimes that's hard but to physically adjust your posture can get you where you want to be relative to your mindset and and so I think I I
0: I totally agree and I I think you see it on most of our teams it's very rare at Texas that you would see something different these days Uh, across the board our success has been synergistic and really, to be quite honest, overwhelming. And I think you see that. And and it, it, it doesn't just start with our coaches. It doesn't just start with our athletes. It starts with our equipment managers. It starts with our uh, attention to detail in the tank and, and our uh, the, the people that work there and the people that, that take care of us and our, our training room, all those things. That posture exists because CDC hires the best and when you go down to the training room, the particular people that are working with you are the absolute best in their uh, in their field and that doesn't just that's not just on our side of the road, right when you cross San Jacinto and you get into uh, our faculty, they are singularly the best and so this is a great time to be a Longhorn, and then we've got the best president we've had in a long time. We got a governor that's a Longhorn, and we've got a great uh, set of regents led by a great regent. And I mean, there's a reason we're having success, and it it is because everybody's pulling in the same direction.
1: Absolutely. Well, and you know that that leads me to the next question that we've talked about before. The you talk you call it the Texas way. Um, Explain, and that's basically the culture in the go- at the with the golf team. Would you explain the, what the Texas way means to our fellow coaches?
0: Yeah, for us, it, it's it's just having respect for the having respect for our game, and then having respect for where we are. I, I listened to Coach Vic again this morning, and he said, "You live your life in appreciation, but the way you show that appreciation is with respect." Respect for the people that are teaching you. Respect for the people that are helping you. Respect for the people that are giving you the opportunity to do what you do. And so first thing we do when we, when we uh, meet somebody, we, and we, we do this at the beginning of every year, we tell our guys to take their hat off, put your hand out, shake, shake hands, look that person in the eye, tell them who you are. They're going to tell you who they are. And for that moment, make that person more important than you. Because if you do that, you're actually giving yourself an opportunity to grow. And I think that's really important. That's one, Um, being respectful around people and making sure that they understand that you are appreciative. Um, We tell our guys to take their hats off when they're indoors, when we're at a clubhouse or when we're... In somebody's house, there's never a ha- uh and I and I I'm, I've got a little bit of a pet peeve. I know it's intrinsic to to the culture, but I don't like guys to wear their hats backwards either. Uh, I just to, to me, I, I want them to be looking forward. I don't want them to be going backwards, and That's and good. I want them, like Vic said, to have a smile on their face. So then it gets into attitude, and and to be appreciative and to enjoy what they're doing people who are appreciative and enjoy what they're doing are going to win. If you have talent and most of the kids that we recruit have serious talent, if you, if you live your life in that equation, there's a good possibility that you're going to have success.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's just, uh, I love how you define the the uh, Texas way. and And I know the other thing that, that is a big part of it is honoring your commitments and doing what you say you're going to do. Right.
0: Well, there's no question about that. I, that, that is my, that's my world really. Uh, and that is recruiting. Uh, when a recruit comes into to our academy or onto our campus and they look around and they see what they see and then they visit with me. I, I simply tell them and Matt Brown told me this. He said that, uh, Look, and, and actually he was talking to one of our recruits because I had him in there talking to Mac Brown. And Mac said, let me tell you something. Uh, and, the, and this particular person was a guy named Gavin Hall. And he goes, Gavin, let me tell you something. He said, you're going to visit with Coach Fields. You may even really like Coach Fields. But keep in mind that Coach Fields is a coach, but he's also a salesman. He's selling his program to you. He's selling the University of Texas to you. He is selling what they do with their program. So he's a salesman. And there are some salesmen that will tell you just about anything you want to hear. But then they don't perform on what they do. And he said, so after you listen to what Coach Fields has to say, you make sure you spend time with his golf team. And when you spend time with his golf team, you ask him specifically one question. Did he do what he said he was going to do when he was recruiting you? Whatever it is, however many things he said. And if the kids say he did that, he absolutely has done what he said he was going to do and then some. Then I have a chance for that guy to come on my golf team. But I also want that guy, when he's visiting the other four or five schools that he's looking at, to ask that very same question, to ask that very same question completely. So I'm in good stead right now. I feel like we do what we say we're going to do. Sometimes it hurts to do that because you could go a different direction. and be a little easier path, but I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do, period, and I'm going to live that way.
1: Right, right. You know, it's interesting, the research, uh, the scientific research about this is pretty interesting um, because, you know, people perceive that they do what they say they're going to do, but the research shows that on average, they do about 60% of what they say they're going to do. And um, I find that that's so fascinating, but if you really make it, you know, your life is built on having that integrity of doing what you say you're going to do uh it raises the percentage to virtually 100%. I I dare say you're you're at 100%. Uh and the power of just embracing doing what you say you're going to do is powerful, right?
0: It is and and there are times when you have to adjust to get to the same end. But that that may require an explanation meaning yeah. I say that I wanna do something, but somebody else doesn't perform and I'm unable to, to accomplish what I wanted to if I go that general same path. But if we do X, we can arrive at the same place and then I will tell my player, look, I wanted to do it this way because of constraints or compliance or whatever, We this is not what we can do. And so what we do, and, and let's just take compliance. Compliance is great if, if you and we, we always talk with our compliance people, Blake and Lori are fantastic, but what we'll tell them is, look, this is what we want to do. And they will say, well, let's find a way to get there within the rules because the way you're thinking about it probably doesn't conform. So let's go a different direction, but we probably can get there. Um, and, and they've been great about trying to do those things and, and give us an opportunity to, to have success. So in a way, you, sometimes you're, you're going to do what you said you do, you're going to do, but you may have to take a different path to get there. Right. And, and, that, and, and, that, it, and that requires education or some kind of conversation so that, that nobody gets confused as why you're doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. You know, I know one thing that you're big into is visualization um, and how visualization supercharges uh, your your way to success. Would you talk about that a little bit?
0: Absolutely. I, I think I have kind of some things that I do when we're in competition that that kind of vision success. I, I love seeing our team with a national championship trophy, and I can vision that. And I love seeing our team win. And I can vision that. Um, I, 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 it has happened many, many times on our golf course when I think, you know what? It'd be nice if we could uh, have a bunker over in certain area. And I just begin to dream and then begin to think about how is that going to affect us? Remember everything, and this is in the context of of success at Texas on our golf team. But everything has to do with recruiting. So every vision that I have has to do ultimately with continued recruiting and continued success that way. Um, I just truly believe, and, and Liz Grabhorn's book, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting for You, really called my attention to that and um to the art
1: of of visualization
0: yes because it was you you just you see what you want now you got to clearly define it. people talk about write down your goals well I do that from time to time as well Pearl and I do that but if I see something that I really want every time I go past that point I'm going to look at that and I'm going to see what I really want there and when that happens, then your creative subconscious starts giving you either ideas or answers about how to get to that point. And it may be simply that I have to call CDC and say, hey, I'd like to do X. And and he might say, we're not doing that. And I'm, But that, that's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep visioning it. And then I'm going to ask him again, and then I'm going to continue to try to find a way to have the success that I want with whatever I'm visioning and I'm going to be relentless. And I I would say that that's probably one of the key aspects that is intrinsic to all of our coaches is that they are all relentless. And I think that describes our our, uh, coaching body pretty well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know this this whole thing of visualization uh, is something I think the coaches may not realize is that visualization is the central concept of the top book of the world on success. And you and I have talked about this a few times. That that there's a book called Think and Grow Rich
0: mm-hmm. that has
1: been read by uh, literally over a hundred million people, and the next best-selling book on success has been read by less than ten million people. And I think that's significant because, you know, as you know, when I turned 50, I'm like, I wasn't as successful as I thought I should be. And realizing that fact that there's one book above all others by a factor of 10 was the book I'm like, by God, I'm going to apply this book literally word for word to my life. And the essence of the book is that the central concept is visualization, what you envision in detail with emotion on a daily basis is what shows up in your life. And, and what that means is that you take your life just like you do and you envision it in detail, you know, exactly the person you want to be exactly what you want to accomplish and precisely how you're going to achieve your clearly defined goals. And when you create that detailed of a vision of your life, and you feed it to yourself every day, the effect is transformative. It certainly was with me and the people I teach, but but that's that's the thing I maybe want the coaches to grasp is that that the top book in the world on success by a factor of ten is all about visualization. So I think it's cool that that you embrace it and do it.
0: Well, well I, I I look at I look at our facilities right now. You know, when we hired Steve Patterson, uh, and he was given the directive to build a new arena, it it really destroyed his success. Just that he couldn't couldn't see it, mm-hmm. and yet CDC walks in and and visions this unbelievable building that that's going to sit over um, on the southeast corner of our football stadium and and it's there mm-hmm. and i know that he saw every bit of that and it's magnificent and it's just i love his creative mind i i i think mine is probably 70 percent of what his is but the bottom line is is that we're we're in a good way because I, I, there is that part of life involved with texas athletics right now
1: right right so you, you talked about it uh, a few minutes ago about your morning routine and getting up at basically yep. morning. Uh, what, what, do you, do you do anything to impact your, your mindset in your morning routine?
0: Just get up. I, 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 Pearl's gotten us a, one of those dry hot saunas. And so I utilize that from time to time, but, but uh, I'll, I'll clean up everything and in, in my email and then, like you said, maybe once a week, I'll write that note. And then I, I kind of get away to start my day at that point. And I, I, on a normal basis, walk a lot as well. And that gets my creative mind going. You're um, talking
1: about in, in the neighborhood before you get yes
0: right. Yes, walk, walk a lot. And, and I've been a little bit away from that. I need to get back to that because that's that's my time. That's when I really am thinking about either my golf team, recruiting, whatever we're doing with the facility, whatever we're doing with donors or alumni and that sort of thing. So that, that, and that all happens before seven o'clock in the morning. And so if, if that happens, then I can start my day and we can get going and, and then kind of attack the day, whatever we're going to do, whether we're qualifying at XYZ golf course or uh, practicing or whatever we're doing. But I, just having a routine, having a, a way to start your day every day. And, I, and I've and i been thinking about kind of actually scripting my day a little bit more because I want to be more impactful with Pearl as we get older because um, she's playing a lot of golf and tennis right now. I'm not doing that. And um, I need to share those things with her just a little bit more. And all I need to do really is just plug it into the day.
1: Right. Right. So I'm, I'm curious as, as you've gotten older, uh, how have you changed and how have you changed as a
0: coach? Well, sometimes when I'm, I'm vision or when I'm talking with our, our players, I'll think, man, I did not know this, what I'm telling this guy, um, 20, 25 years ago. And maybe, maybe I'm actually, Okay, at this, I, I'm not going to give myself an A as a coach yet. I'm I'm aspiring to that. I'm, I'm still <laughs> so in the year. So, how many
1: national championships do you need to win to get an A? I,
0: I don't know, but but more, <laughs> but uh, but the, but the truth is, is that um, I, I'm I'm really happy with the knowledge that I have, but I'm also happy with knowing that I don't know everything and I need to keep growing and I need to. Keep learning, Rick Barnes said that you're either getting better or you're getting worse, but you're not staying the same. And so, I I feel like we've got a nice equation. Um, I know we can get better. I know we need to keep growing, and so we're going to do that. and And maybe that is how I've changed because I was a little more reactionary when I was a younger coach because the path wasn't quite as clear. The path's pretty clear here at Texas, but then the, the the desire is here as well. And then even the directive, because when your athletic director tells you, I want your teams to be in the top ten, and I want you playing for national championships, that's pretty clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, nobody had ever done that before. Even DeLoss didn't do that. I, I think he just felt like if he hired good coaches and let them do their business, they were going to have success, and that was a good equation for him. Right, but for CDC, he he plugs it in on at the beginning of the year, and here we go.
1: Yeah, clarity of purpose. Um, yeah, I I uh, I hear that. That's uh, that's interesting. Um, and I know you have uh, mentors. Uh, how do you use mentors?
0: I call them all the time. Uh, there's always stuff that comes up. Uh, different things that come up in our lives that that need to be tended to and. Um, and that helps me not procrastinate because if, if, you know, when, when something's really not pleasurable, you, you may decide to kind of postpone that. And I'll call up a, a particular guy, maybe two or three or four and, and get kind of a cross value from all of them and then come up with the right answer for me. But it, but it does involve taking action. And I, and I love the support that we have. At Texas, whether it's our our, uh, business office, um, whether it's our administration or the different people, because there's people in there, too, that support the heck out of us. And and it gives us a a, a platform for success.
1: Right. Right. Well, you know, one thing I want to share with the coaches that I find so fascinating is that you've put together this this opportunity for the University of Texas to host the national championship uh, each year for, for golf. Would you explain what this is, how how this came about, and w- where you are on this today?
0: Well, several years ago, our, our national championship committee or our golf committee, um, NCAA golf committee, decided they were going to go with a multi-year site. So they, they first chose uh, Scottsdale and Greyhawk Golf Club. So it was there for three years. We won the middle year, 2022. And, but it was 110 degrees. It was, uh, desert golf. It was target golf. And all of our fans had to stay on the car paths and it was not a quality experience for them. So I happened to be at the Walker cup, which is the amateur value to the Ryder cup. And Anyway, I was out there at Los Angeles in 2018 and I was walking with a friend of mine and I said, You know, wouldn't it be great to have a national championship permanently out on the West Coast? Because you've got the East Coast time slot on TV, you've got great weather, you don't have to worry about lightning and thunder and rain. And then you've you've got a really wonderful place. It's perfect. And he said, Yeah, but where would you play it? And I said, Well, I know. One of our major donors is Bob Rowling. I know him pretty well, and they own all the Omnis in America, 52 properties, 29 golf courses. So I said, how about, how about Omni La Costa in Carlsbad, just north of San Diego? And he said, well, that'd be great, but uh, it's, it's a dated golf course. It's not very good. What, you couldn't play a national championship there. And I said, well, how about if we had Gil Hance do it? Now, Gil Hance was working for Bob. At PGA Central in Frisco, Texas, building a new golf course there. Oddly enough, called Fields Ranch. Don't know why that is. I think it was actually the Fields Ranch, but I anyway, sure long story. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can live that. But he he, Gill Hans also built the golf course in Rio for the Olympics with men and women in mind, and. Arc tournaments are back to back. So the women play one week and then we play the following week on the same golf course. So I said, well, what if Gil Hance did it? And he said, well, now if Gil Hance did it, that could be a great golf course. So I approached Bob Rowling with CDC and Mike Holder, the coach at Oklahoma state, because we wanted his counsel on it because he's kind of the czar of college golf. So we went up there and sold Bob Rowling and his son Blake on the idea and the Omni team, and uh, they decided to put in a bid. And from there, we were gonna have San Diego State was gonna host it, but the NCAA committee came back and said, it's gonna be a neutral site. So whoever hosted their team, their university can't utilize this facility during the year. Nobody can, it's a neutral site. And so San Diego State didn't want the exposure financially And then not have their team be able to play there as an advantage. And that's the whole idea. Nobody has an advantage at a neutral site. So they pulled out. And so the deal was going to die until CDC raised our collective hand and said, you know what? The University of Texas will host this. And so that's how we're hosting the 2024, 25 and 26 with a new bid going in for 27 and 28 by february we're hoping to get it for 27 28 and then we're hoping to make it the permanent site of college golf going forward similar to omaha for baseball wow all all from your vision you could say that it may be a dream actually but it's happening it's happening right now and 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 then we've also formed a uh, I've formed a a foundation called the College World Golf Championships Foundation. What most people don't know is that the College World Series has been in effect since 1950, and the College World Series Foundation, Inc., runs it, and they've been running it for 73 years, and now they're a revenue-sharing partner with the NCAA. I'm hoping that that's what we're able to do going forward. We'll have the College World Golf Championships out in San Diego, and it will be the national championship, just like the College World Series is for men and the Women's College World Series in uh, in Oklahoma City for softball.
1: So how, how does how's the foundation you're, you're starting, how does that uh, play into it? Did, is it the foundation that actually hosts the, uh, the national championship? Eventually, that's what
0: will happen, but, but still in association with the University of Texas. A school right. has, to open, has to host a national championship. Creighton University hosts the men's uh, College World Series. And then we'll have an executive director run the foundation. I won't be doing that uh, on a personal basis. Um, I'm going to be uh, coaching my golf team and, and trying to win national championships, but we'll have an executive director for that. And then we'll go out on a national basis and help fund that event with alumni, not, not Texas alumni, but alumni that have played on in the national championship from all the universities that have benefited from collegiate golf. And there's a lot of them out on tour that are, that are doing extremely well. Well,
1: I tell you, this is so cool. And it's, it shows you the power of visualization. Uh, That's, that's, uh, that's neat. Well, as we wrap up, you know, one thing that, that you told me last time that I thought was interesting is how
0: your culture
1: with your golf team mimics the uh, PGA tour. Uh, Explain that to the coaches.
0: Well, every, everything we do again has to do with recruiting, but with our qualifying, what we want to do is have zero drama. So let the clubs do the talking. In other words, I don't pick anybody to go to a golf tournament. Uh, to compete. Five players play for us on a normal basis at any particular golf tournament, the best four scores counting daily. In qualifying, what we do is we, we, we created a system that is very similar to the PGA Tour, where on the PGA Tour, if you win a, cup at a tournament, you have qualified for the next two years. If you win a major championship, you've qualified for the next five years. So, you know, you have a job for the two or five years and because otherwise you have to make the top 125 and in, uh, in money. Mm-hmm. So what we do on our in our qualifyings, we if if you qualify for one of our events and you go and you finish top 10 in the, that tournament, let's say it's in Chicago, then you've qualified for the next tournament. And if you've qualified for the next tournament and you come back and you play in our qualifier um, and you win it, then you get to add one. So you're always in control. And if you win a tournament in our system, so our, our tournament schedule is always number one, two, or three in the nation. We don't dodge anybody. So if you win a tournament in our schedule, then you've qualified for the next three tournaments. But you can always add by playing in our qualifiers. What it does, it really complements the competitive aspect of our players because they love to compete and they love the opportunity to win. And there, there's incentive all around for them to go to a tournament, finish top 10 or maybe even better win it, and then to come back and win our qualifying if they're capable. And what that does is that creates a real high value inside our qualifying, and it's very similar to what they do on the PGA Tour.
1: So in other words, say you have a, a tournament in two weeks. Two weeks before that, uh, you're gonna, your team is going to try and qualify for that uh, tournament in, in practice rounds uh, at the UT Golf Club. Is that essentially how it works?
0: Yeah, it wouldn't be practice rounds. It would be actual qualifying rounds. And and so what we would do is we move around. We play at Austin Country Club, right? UT Golf Club, Barton Creek, Spanish Oaks. And look, look, it might be a 54-hole qualifying. It might be 72 holes, four rounds, three rounds. And there might be two guys that have finished top 10 the week before. So they would be in the qualifier. But everybody else would be playing for three spots. Oh, so it, it becomes it becomes a very very competitive situation, and everybody knows where they stand. No drama. I, I don't like drama on our golf team.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. Well, John, this has been just great uh, as always, and so uh, uh, just uh, have a great year and and uh, let's pick up that third national championship.
0: Thanks, John. Right. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Hook them horns, and thanks for everything you're doing for us. Coaches,
1: that was enlightening. I hope you found it beneficial to you. So let me share with you three takeaways to think about. So here's the first one. John's brainchild takes us to host the college golf championship every year. John had a dream three years ago, having the college golf championship in one place every year. With the university of texas hosting it now this dream is coming to fruition boy the story he told is fascinating from envisioning this john enlisted both cdc as well as the czar of college golf the golf coach at oklahoma state university john's vision was to turn the la costa country club in san diego into the equivalent of omaha for the baseball college world series This vision, boy, is now happening through John's efforts. In 2024, 25, and 26, the University of Texas will host the National Golf Championship, la Costa. And they hope to host it in 27 and 28, and then in 2029, making it a permanent thing. John visualized it in his head and then made it happen. So here's the second takeaway. Posture determines mental outlook. When he walks the fairways with his players, he notices how the athletes carry themselves, their body language, and how they talk. You build your identity and your mental outlook with your posture. Chin up, back arched, chest out. How you carry yourself should never change depending on how you're playing. There's tremendous science behind the power of great posture. And here's the third takeaway. John's standard in life is doing what he says he's going to do. Accordingly, he's careful about what he says he's going to do. And when John talks to recruits, one thing he does is he has the recruits ask his current players if he does what he says he's going to do. Does he honor his promises? Doing what he says he's going to do is John's secret weapon for being successful in life. And so here's the action step this week. As you heard in the interview, John does a weekly email that goes out to about 400 people. The purpose of the email is to give the followers, donors, and supporters of Texas Men's Golf an update on what's going on with the team. Is this something that would be appropriate for your team? Boy, it's been a powerful tool for John. And if this interests you, in our Friday recap, I'm sharing a sample of this weekly email. John would be glad to help you do the very same thing for your team. So until next time, hook 'em